Hello, and welcome back to my Love Letter Time Machine, where we are unfolding the Victorian love story contained in the letters of two ordinary people from Yorkshire, Fred Shepherd and Janie Warburton. I'm Ingrid Birchall-Hughes, and I just happen to be their great-great-granddaughter. Each week, we travel 140 years back in time to discover the latest happenings. And today, Fred and Janie have both been shopping for their future home, and Emma gets some alarming news from her in-laws, the Herods. This week, it's nice to see that Janie and Fred have fully got over Fred's slight jealousy upset, and they seem to be back on track with planning for the future. The letters this time are particularly gossipy with lots of local news, which I find very tantalising. So I'm going to do my best to keep my comments to a minimum in this podcast and let them speak for themselves. For the avoidance of confusion, Janie and Fred both write to each other on the 19th of January, 1882. So we get a bit of a disjointed feel on the back and forth. This next from Janie arrives in the middle of Fred already writing a reply. She must have just dashed it off to stop him worrying too much about having an early wedding. Hansworth, January the 19th, 1882. My own darling, I have just a minute to spare, so I thought I would let you know that it has come off all right today. I have been very sick and had a good deal of pain, but feel better now after having a nap. So, love, you will not have to take me at Easter. Don't you feel rather sorry? I wish you could join us tonight, my darling. Ginny, Cousin Mary and Maria have all got here, so I expect we shall have a game of cards. They are just looking at our John's photos, so I thought I would take the opportunity of writing to you, love. I have just given Ginny one of our promised photos. It brings recollections of Morecambe back to me. My darling, it will be nice, when I am your little wife in real earnest, to stop with you always, to look after you, and to be your little comforter. Our Emma has got a little of something as usual. Now there is somebody here, but she is not very bad, so it may go off. I hope it will, or I shall feel inclined to tell her to keep out of the room. I am in the room writing this, and they are all around talking, so it will be rather disjointed. I do wish you were here, love. I do long for you. I do love you more and more every day, my husband. I shall have to give up now. Ever believe, my darling, to be your own loving, true, faithful wife, Janie. Fred's letter is also dated the 19th, and so is the reply to the one before the letter we've just heard from Janie. However, when he writes the PS, dated on the 20th, you'll notice he's all caught up. 21 Church Street, Middlesbrough, January the 19th, 1882. My own darling wifey, I received your letter this morning and I'm much obliged to you, love, for it. It was quite a treat reading it. I like good long letters from you, my darling, and I was gratified and satisfied with this morning's. I am glad that Polly and the baby are doing so well. Did you remember me kindly to them? Of course the baby will have grown tremendously since your last visit. He will be able to walk and stand, I should think, in about another week at the most, and talk in another week from then. I shall have a look at him at Easter. I am glad you made a mistake in your last letter and it only wants eleven weeks instead of twelve. Only three months. My darling. Shall we be able to exist until then? 
Your purchases are still increasing, I see. I suppose it is the best way to get the little things as they are thought of. Then they don't get overlooked. I'm leaving all that to you, my darling, for of course I do not know anything about it. It'll be your department. Present my compliments to Polly. I have nothing else to give her for her gift. I am sorry you should have had such a headache, my darling. I wish I could have been there to rest your head on. I am pleased to hear of your visit to our house, love. I am sure they would have been pleased to see you. I am sorry to hear of Ginny Rex's illness. Express to her my hopes that she will soon recover, and also that I thought she was too big to have the measles. I regret to hear that it has not come off yet, love, as I fully expected it would. Of course, if it does not come off, the marriage must come off at Easter. Personally, of course, I should like very much my little wifey, but had intended to see how the works were progressing before doing the deed. However, whatever happens, I have no doubt but that we shall make the best of the difficulty. I think I will have saved twenty pounds by then, but that would not go very far, I suppose. Have you tried salts? Did you think the pain in your shoulders is a symptom, love? What does the advice book say about it? I cannot help but feel anxious, my darling, so you must be sure and let me know how you are. I am sorry to say I have not been to church this year, love. I want to go with you, and then it would be pleasurable. I intend to go next Sunday. I am sorry and surprised to hear of Mr Whittingham's demise, as he looked so well, I thought, the last time I saw him. I had not heard anything about it from home. They never tell me anything that goes off there. I suppose they think it would not interest me here. Your news of the Hartley's quarry affairs considerably surprises me, as I was under the impression that they would get on swimmingly now that the firm has increased. I am sorry, really, for both of them, especially the younger one, as it will be rather depressing for him so soon in his married life. It may, of course, be for the best after all, even if it only makes them see that there are other people in existence beside themselves, which I have thought sometimes that they were rather in doubt of. Express my thanks to Carrie for her kind remembrance. I suppose she will be almost as near here as she is Sheffield. Political feeling runs very high here, and the candidates could not be in greater contrast. One is an aristocrat who boasts of his pedigree, etc. He is, I suppose, a very decent fellow, has shot lions and tigers, etc., and been all over the world. The other is a tenant farmer, who, of course, is going to do everything for the tenant farmers. He is a subscription candidate, as his expenses are to be defrayed by subscriptions. I call him Bolko's member, as Bolko is giving 1000 towards the expenses. He must be going to represent Bolko in Parliament, especially as Bolko has a reputation of never giving anything away for nothing. I think I shall play at football next Saturday. We play the first cup tie for the Cleveland Cup at the Saturday after, and I wanted to have a bit of practice. Alvi seems to be a little more resigned to his fate now that he is living with me. I think he is very much in love. In fact, we both are. On Monday night, I went to bed without turning the gas off in the sitting room, and on Tuesday morning, I forgot to turn it off in the bedroom. Last night, Alvi forgot to take his collar off. Rather hard cases, I should say. Instead of the banjo, I think I shall learn the violoncello. Mr. Clover has brought one with him, and he has offered to teach me if I will teach him the harmonium. On Tuesday night, he brought it to our house, and we had quite a concert. Harmonium, violoncello, and fiddle. Quite an orchestra. I am sorry to say he has not much work, only three or four days a week, not sufficient to get married on. I see by the paper that the Salvation Army have been mobbed at Sheffield, 
You must be a queer lot of Sheffield. They would never think of such a thing here. It could not be better for the erection of the works. I think Mr Cooper must have made a contract with the weather office. I really believe that they have better weather here than in Sheffield, as I have not seen any of those dull, close days that are so prevalent in your quarter of the globe. I wish you could see the pictures, love. I like them better than ever. I forgot to tell you the subjects. One is a village scene in winter, the other an old scotch mill. Such choice colouring, they are perfect gems of their kind. I thought of having gilt frames round, not too broad. There seems to be a good picture frame shop here. I am glad your father is better, love. I should like to look at his photo. I have been to Stockton today. It is the first time I have ever looked around the town and I like it much better than Middlesbrough. We ran short of bricks at the works and I had to go after some from there. I ordered 20,000. The high street there is as almost as broad as the wicker, but I think it looks better. They have the tram cars driven by steam and are perfectly noiseless and there are some beautiful houses there. We have had to work rather late this week, but I think we have about got on top of it. We are perfectly inundated with almanacs. I can send you one or two of them if you would like. Wretchford, that young fellow I spoke of, came here on Monday, but he had not succeeded in getting lodging yet. He is at present sleeping at a coffee house. Not a very pleasant first week for him, is it? Mr Dowling has got his son Martin up here, and two nephews. As Jim says, they have a majority where they are lodging, which is in Durham Street a locality which fairly swarms with their countrymen and is considered very low both for locality and morality. I am sorry to say I have not been very well this week, my darling, indeed. I don't think I've been thoroughly well since Christmas. I think it must be cold. I have got cold in my eyes. I can scarcely see in the morning and they smart awfully. I hope they will soon be better, as I don't want to stop off work if I can help it. I have a splitting headache tonight, so I think I shall be better tomorrow. I hope you are better, love, and that your cold is better, and that you are quite well. I wish I could see you, my darling, for a few hours. I do want your sympathy so much. I felt so lonely today, and almost downhearted. I have had very little sleep this week. Perhaps that accounts for it. I have now got to the end of my paper, which I hope will be as pleasurable to you in reading as it has been to me in writing, and remain your loving husband, Fred, your darling. January the 20th, 1882. P.S. I was very glad to hear from you this morning, my darling. I am so sorry that you were so ill over it. We must not have any more if it makes you ill. I seriously thought, as you will have seen by my letter, that it would have been a case of an Easter wedding. You say, do not I feel sorry. I answer that for myself I do, but not for you, my darling. I love you too much to wish for you to have any suffering to undergo of that description, especially at your house. I hope you enjoyed yourself last night, love. How is Maria? And when is her wedding going to come off? I hope soon. I felt very much better today, except my eyes, which smart a little yet. So don't get anxious, love, on my account. If I have anything serious, I will be sure and let you know about it. I hope you are better, love, of your illness. Oh, my darling, I do love you more and more every day. Only eleven weeks. I have not time for any more, my darling. It was so good of you to let me know this morning. I wish I could kiss you for it. Never mind, love. Only eleven weeks, and then I kiss you. Till then, believe me to be your loving, faithful and true husband,
Fred. P.S. Be sure and write for Sunday Love. Hansworth, January the 21st, 1882. My own darling husband. Your letter did me good this morning. It was nice and long. It does seem a treat. I am always longing and thinking, well, I shall have a letter soon from you, love. I don't know how we should do if neither of us could write. We should be in a fix. I am glad you were gratified and satisfied with my letter. I like to give you pleasure when I can, my darling. I shall have to cut it rather short tonight, love. We are so busy and they will want me soon. I intend giving you a long one. I did remember you kindly to our William and family and they sent their kind remembrances to you. I expect the baby will be quite a man by Easter, only 11 weeks. I wish I could see you just now. If we could only have our old Saturday night's walk, love, it would be scrumptious. But we will have to have it at Easter, love, won't we? I think it is as well to get all the little things for our home, as I think about them, my darling, because there are so many things, and it would not do to leave them all until the last. So I have made another small purchase today. It is an iron stand to fasten on the bars, and will act as a pudding stand as well. I think it will be very useful. Mr Cooper and family left Door House and have gone to live in Sheffield. I suppose he has lost a good deal of money, so they are going to live on a smaller scale. They are going to have the sale on Tuesday of some of the furniture and things on the farm. Ginny Reckless, Polly Rowe and I are going to have a look at it. Ginny has come for a fortnight, I thought only for a week. They are going to sell a new Brussels carpet, breakfast room carpet and others. I should like the new one if it is anything like. We want to get mother to go and bid if there is anything suitable and will not take up much room. You can generally get good bargains at a sale in carpet and the sorts of things and they are costly to buy them new. I wish I had let you leave me something when you wanted. You'll do well if you save £20 by Easter, love. We could have managed very well with that to start with, but I'm glad we are not obliged. I should not like to have been married in such a hurry, though it would be nice to be your little wifey. I should be happy. It is much better as it is. It would be awfully hard to bear any kind of that suffering at our house. You know what they are. They would not spare either of us. I shall be glad to see you at Easter. It will be harder than ever to let you go back again. You and Mr Alvey must be very bad in love to both forget yourselves so much, love. We had a game at cards on Wednesday, as I told you, and our John brought the German in. He was very much smitten with Ginny Reckless at our dance. We finished card playing about ten, and then I played, and they tried to dance a quadrille. Cousin Mary went home about eight. Ginny and Maria went about half past ten, Our John and German took them as far as the bridge. I wish you could have been with me. I should have been happy then, my darling. I wish I could see the pictures, love. I'm sure I shall like them. I am sorry you are not well, my husband. You must take care of yourself. I wish I was at the side of you to look after you. I am very much afraid that your cold at Christmas was more serious than you thought. I hope your eyes are better, love. They say bathing them in milk is a very good thing. I would try it. I am sorry you had the headache, my darling. I shall have to come and nurse you, I see. I hope you will soon be better. I am about all right. I had not quite got rid of my cold yet. I should be pleased to have some of your almanacs. You must not get downhearted. That will never do, love. I shall feel inclined to come to you and sympathise if you do. I don't want you, my darling. We should not feel lonely if we were together, should we? 
I would give almost anything to see you for a few hours, but it can't be, can it, love? So we must wait and make the best of it. Your letter was pleasurable to see, as they always are. I have not heard anything more about Maria's wedding coming off. I went down to see Polly Rowe last night. Our Fred said that we could only go when Mrs Higgs was there, so I thought I would go, and Polly was very nice, quite amiable. I'm beginning to think she is not all bad. What do you think, our Emma asked Polly? She asked her if she was like Mrs A. Stevens, in the family way. She was quite offended, so kept away on that account. I have not time for any more than I can tell you. I remain, as always, your ever-loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. Janie manages to sneak in another letter, and in this one mentions Morris, who was Emma and John George Herod's eldest son, and at this time would have been about ten years old. I couldn't work out for a long time why he wasn't mentioned on the 1881 census for the Cross Keys with his little brother and sister, but then found him in Northamptonshire with his grandparents. Given the news, I think this means that Morris has been visiting Hansworth for Christmas and New Year, and now will not be going back to his grandparents, which is understandable because from the sound of it, the Herod family had some serious issues. Hansworth, January the 21st, 1882. My own darling, it is now about ten. I have just got the children to bed. I have an hour to spare, so I thought I would write a little more for Monday. I was hurried over the other one. I shall go to your house to see your mother and sister tomorrow after tea. I promised Louisa I should call when I went to Sheffield, but you know that I had a bad headache, so I did not. We promised Jane last Sunday that we would go there on Monday to tea, and I said I would see Louisa again before we went. So I thought I would walk down to Attercliffe tomorrow and post your letter and call as I came back. I like to spend Sunday at your house. It is so dull at home without you, love. I feel it is worse that day than any. We used to have such happy Sundays, didn't we, my darling? We shall have a lot someday, though, shan't we? I am afraid it is a bad job about Morris going back. Our Emma has had a letter from Lizzie Herod, saying that Tom Herod has been robbing his father so that he has had to give up the farm. I fancy everything has had to be sold. Tom, as you may know, is John's brother. They have both turned out scamps. There was only Mr Herod and Lizzie at home, so it seems Tom and his wife have been living with them since Mrs Herod died. They have had some trouble with their two sons. I mean, old Mr and Mrs Herod has had with John and Tom. You must please excuse the few mistakes in composition. There is a fellow yelling out what is supposed to be a song. I have shut all the doors to try and keep it out, but I can still hear it, and there is such a lot of noisy folk in as well. I am writing this upstairs. It is so cold in the room. I wish I was with you, love, instead of being tortured like this. Oh, that song. I am so glad, love, you have no fancy for public business. I should be dead in a year if I was mistress of one. I forgot to tell you that our Emma was fixed in the usual way on Thursday. She was playing at cards with us. You never saw such a fright. Sunday night. My darling, 
I am finishing this at our Williams. He came with Edith to dinner today, and he thought he would take Willie back with him. So I came with him to help him. Willie is such a poor walker. Polly has got a very bad headache, but all the rest are quite well. Baby has been trying to talk to me. I wish you were here, love, to take me home again. I do miss you. I went to church this morning. We had a good congregation. I took my family of four. I went to school in the afternoon. It was Olive Laverack's last Sunday. With her grandmother dying, she will have to leave Hansworth on Saturday. Mrs Allen is going to have her party on Thursday for the teachers. I am invited. I have not time for more. Believe me to be, my darling, your loving, true and faithful wife, Jane. Calling the Herod's sons scamps seems rather tame. I imagine its meaning was much harsher then. If we jump ahead a couple of decades, the 1911 census records Morris Herod as a crane driver in Sheffield and living in Janie's household. I have two photos of Morris, taken when he was grown up. Talk about historical hottie, he looks like a silent movie star. If he inherited some of his father's looks, I can see why Emma might have been charmed against her better judgement. I'm finding it hard to shake off the feeling that Morris ending up at his grandparents' home was collateral damage in the fallout from John George Harrod's desertion. Maybe the grandparents originally took Morris to help Emma with the upkeep. But it sounds like the drama didn't end for Morris, judging by his uncle's behaviour, and I imagine that worrying about him would not have helped Emma stay away from the alcohol. Mind you, Janie sounds like she is totally out of patience with Emma by this point. We'll leave it there for now. Thank you for listening to my Love Letter Time Machine. Next time, we find out about Fred Johnson's teaching adventures and about Janie and her friends trying out the new Victorian fad of human magnetism. In the meantime, perhaps you could show the podcast some support by clicking on the ratings leaving a review, or sharing it with someone who you think might enjoy it. And if you'd like to write to me, you can at myloveletter at gmail.com. Until next time, take care. <laughs>